It's showtime, folks. Son now. Ali to the left. Son on a mission to go alone. This is sensational. World class. Welcome to the Know It All Podcast. We got a great show today. We're going to do some NBA free agency with our man Achilles Reign, and then we're going to get into the weekend that was the European Domestic Soccer Leagues. It was a fun and entertaining weekend, but first we're bringing in Achilles Reign for some NBA free agency talk. Achilles, are you ready to talk some NBA? I'm ready. Let's talk some hoops, baby. All right. So let's start it off the top with... Some Atlanta Hawks talk. We'll start off with the A and go with the A. Lot of moves. A lot of veterans came in. Did you like their moves? Are you wondering why they brought in so many veterans in a squad they were building like uh, the Sixers were, young-wise, and all of a sudden it's completely reversed course, and now we're loaded with veterans and we're trying to make a push to the playoffs, it seems like. Yeah, that's exactly what it seems like to me. It seems like they're uh, not content with just getting better. They want to make up to the playoffs and potentially maybe even make a run. Um, they added a lot of veteran players uh, to go along with these young players. Maybe a little bit of it is, uh, you know, kind of trying to mentor these new guys and kind of get them ready for what's coming. A lot of the guys they added have a lot of playoff experience like Rajon Rondo and things like that. Um, and they also added some, uh, some you know, good defensive uh, players that could protect the rim along with, uh, you know, some guys that can shoot the ball and kind of, you know, open up the court a little bit. So I really like what they did. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I'm curious about is uh, they seem to sign a, a lot of guys who are all sort of the same and position wise, I, you're going to play Trey young, I assume, uh, you know, offensive genius, defense be damned, but uh I don't know where Rondo really sits in that, uh, you know, sort of fit there because Young's going to play. I assume you signed Chris Dunn, so someone on that floor can defend someone. So where does Rondo get his minutes, and why would you sign Rondo other than, you know, veteran presence? But if you're bringing in somebody like a Gallinari, you know, do you need a Rondo? Well, I think that Rondo comes more for that championship pedigree type of mentality. You know, the guys won championships with multiple teams, uh, the, you know, Celtics being one, and of course, my Lakers being another. Um, so I think that that's mostly the, uh, the, the train of thought with Rajon Rondo is, 
you know, let's bring a guy who's been to the big dance and not just been to the big dance, but also taken the pretty girl, you know? So I, I think that's kind of the way they're going. Yeah, I, I can see it. I just, if you knew you were bringing in Chris Dunn, so you now have three point guards. Really, Dunn can, you know, sort of guard the, you know, shooting guard on the other side. But uh, but then you sign Bogdanovich for, you know, just a ridiculous sum. Now, you know, I agree with signing Bogdanovich, but then you bring in Gallinari too. It just seems like a lot of pieces. Now, Gallinari has said he's coming off the bench and John Collins is going to remain the starter. Uh, do you think it's sort of, I'm assuming Rondo's coming off the bench too. If they don't get off to a great start, because I still don't know if this is a, I'd call them an elite team in the East. I mean, what do you think their max would be? A fifth seed probably in the East right now if they, everything worked out? Uh, no, I think that if everything worked out, I think they can probably get in like a six, seven, you know, possibly even an eight seed. Um, a lot of it, I think, is going to be dependent on how they're going to mesh. Um, I don't agree with every single move they made. I, I get where you're coming from. I just think that from where they were to where they could potentially be now, I feel like they had to make a lot of these moves. Um, some of them, like you said, are a little hard to swallow, but maybe they know something that we don't. Um, I, I just like the attitude they attack this, uh, not just a free agency, but also the, uh, the draft with, you know, they were really aggressive and they basically try to make a statement that we're here to win now and we don't care what people think. Yeah. I, I like that statement and I will agree play, bringing in, uh, you know, these uh, winning type vets uh, is a good strategy. I just, um, the thing I worry about is if they get off to a bad start, at what point does Gallinari and Rondo and, you know, guys like Tony Snell and Capella start to want to play more and win games while these young guys who are highly skilled, but I, don't, I think both you and I would agree that they aren't capable of winning games in the Eastern Conference. They haven't proven it. They were the second-worst team in the East again this year. They're capable of putting up numbers, but uh, when do these vets start to grumble if they don't get off to, a, you know, a good start? Well, that's the, that's the whole thing. That's why you bring in these vets. These are supposed to be guys that, you know, are a little tamer when it comes to their attitudes. Now I know that Rondo, you know, he has that, uh, he has that reputation of being kind of a firecracker, um, you know, and a little, a little crazy. I'm not calling him crazy, but he's kind of got a crazy attitude. Uh, So he's got that reputation, but you know, you bring in these veteran guys to settle everything down so that when times get tough or when you run into, you know, uh, certain obstacles, uh, the the veterans will step up and be like, okay, listen, you know, you deal with this, you move on, and you kind of get these guys over that, uh, you know, that rookie hump. So I think that's kind of their train of thought, at least, with the moves that they made. All right. So you're pro these moves, I guess, then. For, for the most part, yes. Like I said, there's some that I do have question marks about. Like, I, you know, Gallinari's kind of old, you know. Well, I was going to ask that. That was my big one. Gallinari and that money. I mean, yeah. I know the Hawks have to overpay, but Jesus, that's 60 mil for a guy who, you know, hot and cold, uh, you know, health-wise. I mean, and especially in this sort of, this type of season where, I mean, they're just starting right back up. We're 
training camp is two days away. I just worry that maybe he gets banged up a little. Now, you know, you have cover because you do have John Collins, but that just seemed like a lot of money to throw at uh, uh, Gallinari, especially when you knew you were going to throw that offer sheet at Bogdanovich. But I'll tell you what that looks like to me. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Um, the way it looks like to me is if I'm one of those young guys, listen, as long as I play, this team's going to pay me. So, uh, you know, I can play my butt off and they're, they're going to take care of me the way they're taking care of these vets. Um, to, to me, he's a little, a little pricey, especially for his age, but he is going to be coming off the bench. So that kind of helps out with his injury history. And it also helps develop the younger guys by getting them a little more play time. All right, we'll move on. I, I think we're going to talk about the Celtics, but I think while we're talking about the Celtics, we should probably talk about the Hornets as well and mix them together. Celtics uh, pretty much stay the same here. Don't bring in – they bring in Tristan Thompson. They sign a Jeff Teague, you know, to, to handle some backup point guard duties. But the big thing is they essentially lost Gordon Hayward for nothing, and uh, they don't really have any money to sign another sort of – big type of free agent. They have to do it with what they have now. Uh, there were some Kimball Walker trade rumors mumbling in the off season, but uh, what do you think of the Celtics uh, sort of off season here? I think they sort of got worse and dropped down into an East that uh, I assume Philly's going to be better. Toronto will always be there. Milwaukee's going to be there. The Heat are there. So did Boston improve themselves or do you look for them to drop back a little bit in the East this year? Well, I remember a couple seasons ago when they lost certain players and myself included, along with certain people started counting the Celtics out and then they kind of made a run and you started noticing other, other names popping up. Yes. And you know, they, the loss for Hayward is, is kind of, you could have got something out of it. You know, it, it's a little upsetting that you basically let him go for nothing. And I mean, was it, Previous year that they also lost, uh, what Irving for for nothing also. I mean, correct. They have essentially lost Irving, Horford, and Haywood all for essentially nothing. You know, some trade exceptions here and there. Yeah, I mean, to me that you know that's probably uh, a little worrisome if I'm a fan of the franchise. And as you know, my wife being uh, from the uh, Northeast, not being a Patriots fan, she's also a Celtics fan. Um, she's probably not super happy with the way that those players were uh, basically sent packing for nothing. Uh, you'd expect to get something in return, but I, I don't think that, uh, yes, they lose some key players, but I don't think that the losses are so drastic that we're automatically counting them out. I think that they have the potential to still be somewhat competitive and maybe even, uh, you know, make it to the playoffs at some point. It all depends on how the season starts off. So you you still see them as a, a contender here in the East? I see them as a potential contender. Like I said, I've counted them out before, and it hasn't worked out in my favor. Um, so i definitely like to see how the season kicks off and how they do to start off with. Uh, but they, they've got enough pieces in place. You know, they brought in some guys. Granted, they're not, you know, Hayward, uh, but they brought in some, some reputable guys that, can, you know, can – can help out a little bit enough to at least get close to making a playoff run in my opinion yeah all right so we'll talk about this uh charlotte hornets team who Haywood signed with for a ridiculous amount of money i guess they've improved themselves do they have a shot at this eighth spot in the east i i 
don't know if they even have enough for that. But uh, Hayward's a nice piece if he's healthy. But is it enough to get them into the playoffs or it's just wasted money, really? I I've, I think they overpaid. Um, he's a good player, don't get me wrong. But the amount of money that they put into him, they could have definitely gone out and got a little more veteran presence, people that are going to help them, you know, not just in one spot. Um, especially after their draft and the guys that they picked up, it seems like they could have probably made some other moves and spent that money um, a little while. I don't know. It's just, to me, the Hornets had the potential to make a lot of really good moves and put themselves in a really good position to contend. And it seems like they put themselves in a position to possibly maybe contend for like an eight seed, maybe. Yeah. See, I, Maybe they're an eight seed for, what, the next two, three years? Uh, and then what? I, I just – I thought you could start to – as much as we sort of dislike, you know, LaMelo Ball, at least you have him, you have Graham, you have Rozier. You start to build it a little young, and maybe through the draft you get a handful of other guys and maybe something starts building there. I haven't given up on Miles Bridges. P.J. Washington's a solid guard. You have some young players. I wouldn't call them all-stars, but uh, you start to acquire enough talent where maybe in two years you begin to be more than just a eight seed. You probably suck for two years, and you aren't in playoff contention, but is the eight seed of the playoffs really worth that, especially in a season where, I mean, I doubt there's going to be any fans in the arena, and if there are, it's going to be so few, it's not even going to really matter that much. Yeah, that's exactly my my – my point there is that, you know, I, I like the moves they made. Overall, they, they improved themselves, and that's what you look to do during free agency and the draft. You look to improve your team, and they've done that. They've improved their team overall. My question is, was the cost worth the result? I mean, that's yet to be seen. But, you know, if they're just going to be a mediocre team for the next few years, then, no, you overpaid, and you probably wasted a lot of money. Um, if they can – somehow be competitive enough to, you know, get into the playoffs and at least try to make a run, you know, as a, as a fan of any team, all you want is a shot. And if your team can make it into the playoffs and give you a shot, I feel like that's in itself is somewhat of a success. Yeah. All right. So uh, the Brooklyn Nets have not done really much, but uh, you know, essentially they acquire Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving for this year. The James Harden stuff has cooled off a little bit, mostly because I think Houston's laughing at the, you know, offer of Levert and Spencer Dinwiddie for James Harden. But uh, not much here, but uh, Durant, Irving, and uh, they, you know, re-signed Joe Harris, which I, you know, they sort of had to do. But uh, what do you make of uh, this roster in this offseason so far? You know, they've got superstars. I mean, they're – projected to be a contender. Their moves haven't been, you know, astonishing by any means. I feel like if they somehow were able to pull off that hardened trade, uh, that definitely would have, in my book, given them an A for, uh, for their offseason moves. But like you said, unless they're willing to pretty much mortgage the house, uh, they're, they're not going to get hardened for nothing. You know, Houston's not about to just give them up. They're not about to pull a Boston. And, um, they're still solid though. They're still a contender. You know, they've got big name. They got some marquee names on there. The question is going to be, can these guys stay healthy? Both of these uh, star players that they have on their team. 
uh, have a history of injury. And unless you really surround them with a lot of uh, complimentary talent, you can almost kind of expect uh, an injury to happen eventually throughout the season. So I feel like they made enough moves to, to stay relevant. Uh, but until we actually see this on the court, it's still all, you know, on paper. Uh, so I'm, I got to see more. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, we appraised the Detroit Pistons draft, but uh, I'm going to hammer them here in free agency. Cause I don't know what the hell they were doing. Uh, $60 million for Jeremiah Grant, um, signed Mason Plumley and Okafor. I just, um, it's a very weird sort of team now. I, I don't know if this makes them an eight seed for the playoffs. It, I don't even know what Jeremiah Grant is without, you know, everybody on the Nuggets to help him out. He's a okay defender, a solid athlete, and a bad rebounder, but, uh, I feel stupid now for praising Detroit's draft because I just don't know what the hell they did in the free agency. Essentially, they spent a lot of money on eighth and ninth bench guys. So uh, what did you make of Detroit here? Uh, to me, the big surprise was, uh, you know, Christian Wood. I just don't understand. Well, know, that's what I was. You spend $60 million on Grant. Yeah. Throw 40 like, at Wood, your own guy. Yeah, exactly. That's your guy. That's the guy that you brought up. Granted, he's not quite you know, at superstar level, but his upside, you know, at some point you got to be willing to pay for upside, uh, you know, and the guy's got it, you know, and, and, and to just kind of let him walk, it, it was a little mind boggling to me. I don't understand what's going on uh, in that front office and, um, to pay the type of money that you're playing for, for guys, Grant, don't get me wrong, solid player and everything. But if as like, again, I go back to the whole, as a fan thing, as a fan, I want my team to take care of the, of the guys that we're bringing up, not guys that are coming from somewhere else. Yeah. Especially when you hear that Grant turned down, essentially the nuggets were going to match that offer and Grant turned down that money so he could essentially be more focal point in the offense. What team wants to use Grant as a focal point of the offense? The guy's barely a 10-point-a-game scorer his whole life. I just um, – it's very confusing. I mean, Okafor and Plumlee now playing center. Uh, I mean, you. I liked the DeLon Wright bring in, but uh, I just uh, – very confused by this roster. And, I mean, I don't think they help themselves. Do you think they're a playoff team? I, I think they actually hurt themselves more than help themselves. That's what uh, I uh, assume. Cause now you're having to use these vets that you just signed over all these guys you just drafted. Yeah. And I, I think that if anything, you know, now they have to hope for a playoff spot. Whereas before I thought if they would have made the right moves, they could have definitely been, you know, a contender for one of those, you know, bottom seeds. Uh, now, I think that they'll be lucky if they can get to one of those bottom seats, to be honest with you. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. Uh, the only sort of wild card here is if Blake Griffin, Griffin is healthy. and Yeah, what are game- the odds of that? Yeah, I know. He, he's a game changer. <laughs> he dragged him into the playoffs two years ago when he was healthy. But, uh, I, you know, there's no telling what you're getting from that wild card. And so, I don't know. Just uh, I thought this team was moving in the right direction. And then – the whole free agency. And now I'm just like, why? <laughs> yeah, I know. 
I'm telling you, I, I was just like you. I thought I was, I was really confident that they were going to make the right moves and it looked like they were, you know, kind of heading that direction. I'm like, okay, there's some upside here. And then the free agency hits and like, what happened? Like, did someone else take over, you know, mid off season? What is going on? Uh, it's a little disappointing to see the way that they kind of, but you know, you never know. Maybe this works out for them. I hope it does for the sake of, you know, all Piston fans, but I just don't get it. Yeah. All right. So we'll move to one of the, uh, well, what was one of the top tier teams, uh, the Golden State Warriors. I, you know, they have not not much free agency they could do. They brought in Wanamaker. They got the uh, Kelly Oubre trade, which essentially ends up costing them like sixty million dollars because they're already over the cap. But um, I think the question is: Is this team going to be able to contend? Uh, without Clay Thompson, can they still be a contender in the West, like a legit uh, title contender without Clay Thompson bringing in Ubre and Wanamaker to sort of fill that void? You know, I really like what they did. Um, yes, it. You know, I think that you know we're all really hung up on the Clay Thompson injury, and we should be because he's a focal point of that team. Uh, but if you really stop and think about it, they added Weissman, uh, Ubre, uh, Baysmore. They 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 brought in enough talent to where I think that they're going to be okay. Uh, they're definitely a contender in my eyes. Uh, as long as the rest of the guys can stay healthy, I think that they're you know still someone to be reckoned with. Now, are they a lock for the finals? I don't think so. But I anything could happen once you get into the postseason. Like I said earlier. All you really want is to get in. And I think that they're definitely a shoe in um, to get into the playoffs. Now, I don't know exactly what seating I'd put them at. I haven't really broken it down to that point, but uh, I do see them still as a playoff team. So if they can stay healthy with the remaining pieces and if their young guys can kind of come in and help out, I think that they're in pretty good position. Yeah. Funny enough, you're going to wonder if there's enough offense on Golden State to win games. Because I think defensively they should be, you know, just fine. But uh, you look at that, like, projected starting lineup, and it's really Steph and then a lot of sort of guys who have to play off Steph. So is Steph going to be good enough to carry that kind of load for a full season? Well, you you know, this is the thing is that you don't just you don't just put it all on him, you know. Offensively, maybe so, uh, but you also have some veteran guys that you know can kind of go off uh, on any given night, you know, in green. And you had some young talent, you know, that can kind of help you out defensively enough to kind of take some of the pressure off of green. Um, I think that they, I think they're going to be good to get into the playoffs. I think that it's it's just really hard, I, you know. Clay Thompson is such a huge part of that team that it's really hard for me to say that, you know, they're basically guaranteed to go all the way. I, I still think that they're good enough with the pieces that they have to make it into the playoffs. Uh, I just wish that they had Clay Thompson. I'd feel a lot more confident about that. I'm going to talk about uh, two contenders now who didn't do a ton in free agency, but uh, young teams sort of moving themselves up into uh, title contention status in Dallas and Denver. We'll start with Dallas. Uh, they bring in Josh Richardson. They bring in James Johnson, sort of, you know, role players to sort of defensively 
take up the physicality so people don't be, beat up on Luca too much. But um, what do you make of Dallas? Uh, you know, I really think that um, they needed to, so, some help to anchor down that, that fifth spot. And um, they definitely missed out on some opportunities, uh, not from lack of tr- – well, maybe from lack of trying, but uh, – they basically kind of said, all right, listen, we're not going to focus too much on the draft. We're going to focus on kind of, you know, bringing in some veteran guys and helping them or having them help us make a push. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of some of the moves they made. Um, I don't know how you feel about bringing in guys, like the guys that they brought in, but I just feel like they could have helped themselves out by kind of bringing young guys in and, you know, building them up, you know, I don't think that they're necessarily uh, a contender uh, as of right now. So I didn't understand why you wouldn't bring in a bunch of young guys and kind of develop them uh, for the future. I just didn't understand that. Yeah, I'm sort of in between because uh, I think Luca makes you a contender. But uh, the thing I – it's, I think it basically sits on whether Porzingis – I mean, we go back to Blake Griffin – it sits on whether Porzingis can uh, – if Porzingis is a healthy, functional player for it, the full season, I think bringing in Johnson and Richardson is a good move. But uh, if Porzingis isn't healthy, uh, basically you have a lot of role players and uh, Luka Doncic here. So, uh, you know, I, I'm sort of mixed with it. Uh, I know also that uh, theoretically they're trying to, you know, keep their books clear because – in the mythical world of signing random free agents, Giannis is supposedly interested in the Dallas Mavericks. I think all that will probably end in about uh, two weeks when he re-signs for the Max with the Milwaukee. But everyone can have their, you know, fever dreams of Luca and Giannis for the next couple weeks. But uh, I think basically this just rides on Porzingis. Healthy Porzingis, I think they're a contender. And I don't mind the moves of bringing in Richardson and Johnson not healthy Porzingis, which they're already, you know, saying he's not going to start the year, which, you know, I figured as much. But uh, that's sort of where I sit with the uh, Dallas Mavericks, and uh, I think it just rides on Porzingis more than anything. Yeah, I mean, listen, I like Porzingis. The Zen master really like Porzingis, so I have to ride with the Zen master. Uh, like you said, I don't know when he's going to be healthy. And, and if he can come in after he gets better and – play at the you know at the pace that we're used to him playing then yeah i think they'll be okay but you know you're probably a little bit higher on some of these other guys than i am um like i said i i think that dallas was kind of putting all their all their eggs in one basket and kind of hoping to land the uh the big goose during free agency and if it doesn't happen i think that they're really dependent on a healthy porzingis so we'll see what happens i'm not a huge fan of what they did yeah. All right. So we'll move on to the Denver Nuggets. Uh, they essentially did nothing. But um, like I said earlier, they tried to re-sign Grant. Grant turned him down because he wanted more shots. So. Uh, oh, yeah. And big money and more play time. But uh, see, uh, what I heard was they were going to pay him that 60 mil. So they were willing to eat it. And he just said he wanted a more offensive opportunity. So I think that's sort of shows what kind of player he is. I would rather play off Jokic and Murray for $60 million the rest of my life than 
put up a bunch of shots for Detroit and uh, lose a lot of games. But uh, Denver doesn't really make a move. I, I mean, I think their move more than anything is Michael Porter Jr. getting better. Uh, essentially, they said they will not trade him except for like a elite franchise type, you know, Bradley Beal type. So uh, where are you sitting with what the Denver Nuggets did? Better, worse, you know, indifferent right now? Uh, well, I mean, it depends on how you look at it. Uh, losing Grant was obviously kind of a blow to the team, but losing a Grant player that is going to get paid essentially the same thing and is basically demanding more minutes and more shots, then I think you kind of end up uh, on the upside of that deal. Um, but losing a player like that always hurts. And I don't know that they brought in enough guys to kind of balance out the loss. Um, you know, they got Millsap in there, which at, at his age, I don't know how much you can get out of him, uh, but, you know, he's still a quality guy. And I think that was more a move because I think everybody likes him and sort of likes having him around. I think he's sort of that vet that you just won in that locker room. So I know Jokic loves him. So, Yeah, I mean, you need guys like that. You need guys that are going to kind of keep the harmony going, you know, guys that are likable, guys that can kind of stand up and be like, hey, uh, let's settle down and I'm going to be the voice of reason in this locker room. Um, so in that sense, I like that move. But I, I just think that they just didn't bring in enough to cover their losses with Jeremy Grant. That's just my opinion, though. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think they'll still be a contender for sure in the West. Uh, if uh, Porter does end up being their third, you know, sort of elite guy, I look for them to be right there. They, uh, once again, don't have anybody yet to sort of guard LeBron James. Uh, even Jeremy Grant couldn't really do that. So, you know, honestly, saving 60 mil on that is just fine. But, uh I I just thought maybe they'd try to grab something to help out with that, uh, to find one other role player. But uh, they're really high on Porter, so more power to him there. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see how it plays out. You know, the guy could end up as an all-star before we even before we know it, and then we're going to feel like uh, like some silly gooses sitting here <laughs> down-talking him. But Yes, I know. You, you never know. I, I mean, I think at the end of the, this – it's a really weird year uh, being rushed right after that bubble. Um, doesn't give a lot of people a lot of time to really sit back and, you know, really kind of uh, break down how everything's going to go, go down for teams. Uh, but we'll see what happens at the end of the year. Yeah. All right. So we'll move on. The Houston Rockets did not do much of anything despite being uh, the headliner in news, except for they did make a, sort of what I thought was a free agent steal of the period there, getting Christian Wood, who I really like for, uh, I think, a pretty reasonable sell, a three for 40, decent uh, money for what uh, like somebody like Joe Harris and uh, Grant and uh, a couple other guys got paid. So uh, the question is, do the Rockets just, you know, sort of plug their ears and say Westbrook and Harden go play and we'll be a contender again? Or do they – sort of wait this thing out and try to drive up their market and uh, get a better return here. Uh, the Christian Wood signing makes me think like they're going to try to just play this thing out. See, and that's probably what I would do. I would probably try and play it out because you've got, you're a contender as, as you stand right now with the current roster you have, you're a contender. You know, they've got some really 
good star players. Harden's probably one of the better players in the league. Um, and any team he's on is automatically considered a contender. You know, and you add some other guys that can do a lot of different things. You're a contender at this moment. If I was them, I'd basically force them to play games. You know, you're under contract. Go out there, play some ball. We're going to get into the playoffs. Let's see if we can make a run. Yeah. The, the issue with that now is becomes that the longer you go, I mean, to start off the season, as the, as the weeks progress, the value in Harden tends to rise a little bit, you know, especially with those teams that really want to make it to the big game. His value rises. And what you can get in, for, in return for Harden, it goes up. But as you get closer and closer to the tra- uh, trade deadline, the value starts to diminish slowly and slowly because you're almost forced to say, all right, this is our last year. We're riding with – we're going to see how far we can get or – Let's try and get some assets, maybe some draft picks in return, um, maybe make some cash or something. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. If they could move him early on, they could probably get a lot of value for him. But the closer they get to a trade deadline, they're almost uh, between, like they say, between a, a hard place. And uh, it's just you're pretty much dang, danged if you do, danged if you don't. Yeah. All right. So we'll shift off to them and uh, move to the L.A. teams. Clippers, Lakers. Uh, We'll start out with the Clippers here. Uh, Lose Montrez Harrell. I think that was probably inevitable. But um, they did bring in – they did bring in a – I thought a really nice piece in Serge Ibaka. Do you think this team is better, worse, same? Uh, What do you have a feel about the Clippers right now? Uh, to me, the Clippers are really hard to gauge. Uh, last year, I thought they'd probably get a little deeper than they did. Uh, they got better. I'll probably say that. Uh, some of the moves were um, a little surprising to me. Uh, like you said, you didn't really – you weren't surprised by losing Harold. I was. I, I didn't think it was going to happen. But, you know, you used to have Kawhi. Uh, that's pretty much all you really care about if you're a Clipper fan. Is Kawhi there? Yeah, Kawhi's there. Okay, let's kind of see what happens then. Let's roll the dices. Um, they brought in some guys, and they got better, in my opinion. But it's the Clippers uh, until they can, you know, get deep in the playoffs. I, I'm not really going to be surprised whether they're better or worse. I mean, I did, it's the Clippers. I'm, yeah, I – the only thing I, I think there's still a move here where uh, I don't know how long Patrick Be- Beverly's on that roster. Uh, I have a feeling Kawhi doesn't like Patrick Be- Beverly all that much. So I think him uh, and maybe Lou Williams probably have one more move for the Clippers to make to try to get a point guard in there. I thought they'd go after Rondo, but uh, Rondo got a nice deal from the Hawks, which, uh, you know, I can't blame him for going where the money goes, but uh, we'll move to the Lakers here. Uh, really nice off season. Uh, I think they've improved their team, but uh, they got rid of a lot of the guys that uh, brought them to the dance and won them the championship here. Is there something to be said for bringing in probably better talent, but uh, I'd say a little bit unproven championship wise talent here. Listen, I understand the uh, concern when it comes to that. But my thing is, same thing like the like the Houston Rockets and same thing like the Clippers. You know, do you have Kawhi? Do you have uh, Harden? 
do you have James? Do you have Davis? I think that's the the main focus with this team. Yes, you can bring in some guys that are unproven, but you have such strong leaders in that team that they're going to whip these guys to shape regardless. You know, with these guys on the court, it's almost like I, I go back to the days of Kobe and Kobe was not going to put up with anything other than your 100, 110% effort. You know, even when things were looking bad, he wasn't, he wasn't going to put up with anything less than pure excellence out of you, whether, you know, it looked like it in the court or not. Um, and that's how these guys are. It, it, they're going to get the best out of these guys. And even though they don't have uh, the proven record when it comes to the postseason, I feel like they'll kind of be like, all right, listen, take a step back. Let me handle this and learn from this. And then as we move forward in the playoffs, you know, then you can kind of start making your own path. Yeah. Okay. So let's get to the big one, the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, Better, worse, same. They didn't get the Bogdanovich. They got Drew Holiday. Essentially, it's Drew Holiday for Eric Bledsoe and, you know, a handful of pieces and draft picks, which will, you know, could or could not come into play later on hundreds of years down the road. But uh, is this Milwaukee team a better team? It, I probably should preface, are they a better playoff team? Because uh, I think we all know they're going to win 65 to 70 games in the regular season or yeah. whatever or whatever that equates to in a 72-game season. But uh, better playoff team. I don't know if they're a better, better playoff team. Uh, I do think that they're a better team overall. Um, I just There's a few question marks there, and I think that um, the franchise as a whole – it's kind of holding their breath and kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with, uh, you know, with, with their freak there. Um, if they can kind of settle down and, you know, kind of lock everything into place, then I think they're going to be okay for, for, you know, a long, for a playoff push. But as it sits right now, I think that too many questions are still up in the air, but as far as the pieces that they brought in, yeah, I think that they're definitely a better team uh, for the regular season. I don't, I'm not quite sold yet on whether they're a better playoff team yet. Yeah, I, I do think Giannis will end up re-signing. So uh, I'm not too worried about that. I just – I don't know if they quite improved enough to make it to the finals. And uh, I think uh, the East actually got a little bit better. Uh, so your road becomes harder. I think the Heat, you know, will be right there. The Sixers have improved themselves. The Nets are now – going to be there and the Celtics and Raptors stay there. And, you know, the Pacers are a bit of a wild card. So you got at least six or seven real deep teams in that East. Uh, you know, the bottom half of the East is a joke, but uh, I just don't know if Milwaukee's, I want them to be there. Cause you know, I enjoy Giannis. I love watching him play and I like this Bucks team, but uh, I just don't know if they're built to win playoff games quite yet. Yeah, that's basically where I stand. I, I mean, I completely agree with everything you said. I, I just, I'm not, I'm not completely sold on being a better, better playoff team this season. All right, so we'll move on in the East and go to the Philadelphia 76ers. And uh, right now, I'm going to say Daryl Morey is the executive of the year. The way he got off money, the way he brought in guys that uh, fit just a little bit better around uh, Simmons and Embiid. Uh, now. I just – I'm thinking this Sixers team might find a way to, to make some noise. Uh, I'm more 
optimistic about them than I have been in uh, the last couple of years with this team. Yeah, I, I really like what they did. Um, you know, they didn't spend a ton of money uh, with the guys they brought in, but they brought in, uh, I guess, what you'd consider uh, championship caliber players that are going to help. Now, like you said, the focus on that team is still Joe Embiid and the rest of those guys there, but they brought in some pieces to complement them that fit a lot better than the previous uh, players they had. Um, I think that overall they improved their team. Um, yes, they lost some players, but the players they brought in complement their stars a lot better. Yeah. Uh, where do you put them on the uh, East contender scale here? Uh, do you put them up there with Milwaukee and Miami, or do you think they're more in the uh, Toronto-Boston uh, pack there? Yeah, I think that right now until we actually see how – you know, it's easy to say that, oh, they, these pieces fit in perfectly with what they have now. But, uh, you know, that's on paper. Until we see it actually on the court, uh, it's a different thing. If it comes together like we see it on paper, then I think that they're definitely one of the top seeds. Um, you know, not maybe like a five or like a five or six, but even if it doesn't completely pan out, they've got enough talent there to where I think that they're still, you know, in the, the Boston Celtics here uh, type of contenders. Yeah. All right. So we'll move on back out West Phoenix Suns. They make the big move for Chris Paul. Does this make them a contender, a playoff team, or you sort of see the same thing coming out of the Suns? One game, they look like world beaters. Uh, the next game they're, sort of average and you don't know what you're getting game to game here. Where, where do you put bringing Chris Paul in and uh, the Suns be this season? Now, in my opinion, Chris Paul is, you know, a future Hall of Famer. And when you start talking about players as future Hall of Famers, you kind of know that they're towards the end of uh, their run. And they, I think that as of right now, even though I like a lot of the moves they made, you know, with Crowder and things like that. I think that they basically put all their eggs in the Chris Paul basket. And depending on how he plays, that's going to define where you stand at the end of the season. Um, I personally don't like to, don't like it when teams kind of go all in on one particular player, especially an aging player. But if it works out for them, you know, they're going to be in really good shape. So. Yeah. I, I get the move, but uh, I'm not 100% sold that in the Western Conference, this is an automatic playoff. Uh, I like their roster. They got a lot of good players, but uh, the West is just so deep. I mean, basically right now, one through seven is, I don't think I see anybody dropping off of there, especially if uh, Harden and Westbrook are staying with the Rockets. So basically you have like six teams battling for that eight spot. I don't know if the Suns, even with Chris Paul, are that much better to where they can just grab that eight spot. You know, you can guarantee they're grabbing that eight spot. And I'm assuming the whole point of that trade was to get them in the playoffs here. Yeah, like I said, they put all their eggs in the Chris Paul basket. And if it works out, great. You know, you made a good move. Um, but to kind of be reliant on an aging superstar I think it's kind of you know providing a little bit of false hope to not just your team but the fan base in general yeah uh, but 
is it a good move if you're just getting the I eight seat? I mean, you're going to get your ass handed to you essentially by Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, you know, whichever one randomly wants to play hard for 60 games in the regular season and take that one seed. I don't know. It just seems I, – I know why it was made because they're a little scared Devin Booker's going to try to bolt, and this, I guess, appeases him and makes him happy because, you know, he took a summer workout and they threw up jump shots together and they're all happy now. I don't know if he'll be happy when Chris Paul is barking at him for – 40 minutes of an NBA game the whole time. But uh, I don't know. I just, for an eight seed, I, I don't know if that move's worth it, especially when I, you have Ricky Rubio there. I Ricky Rubio is not as good as Chris Paul, but the drop-off I don't think is all that, you know, ridiculous to the point that it's going to make you that much better with or without Rubio, Chris Paul. Yeah, at this point in Chris Paul's career, I don't think the drop-off is huge. Um but I mean, it's the the West is pretty stacked, man. And the thing is, you know, when it comes to your free agent acquisitions, I think that even getting to that eight seed is kind of an accomplishment in itself. So that's probably the way they're looking at it. All right, we'll move on to one last team who I thought had a really good uh, free agent off season and uh, sort of put themselves, I think, in that mix here: the Portland Trailblazers. Barring everyone being healthy, I, I liked the moves they made. Uh, I think that uh, they put themselves in definite contender stratus. I love the Robert Covington pickup. Derek Jones Jr. Uh, brings some athleticism and defense to them. And uh, Harry Giles is a nice flyer. He was once going to be a real big-time prospect. But a couple knee injuries sort of sabotaged that. But uh, I, he still has some value. So, uh I like the moves that uh, Portland made, uh, you know, Rodney Hood's back off his Achilles injury. What'd you make of Portland? I really like what Neil did in this, uh, this off season. Um, you know, even bringing in uh, Ennis Cantor, I think that, you know, he, he helps out, uh, especially with like some of the injuries that they've had. Uh, but overall, I think they did pretty good. I, I kind of like the moves they made. And I think that they set themselves up uh, to definitely be a contender uh, for one of those uh, top five seeds. Um, again, this is all on paper, uh, you know, until we actually see everything meshing on the court, uh, we won't definitely get a, a pot, you know, for sure answer on where they stand. But, uh, from even a paper standpoint, I really like the moves they made. I, like you said, that Robert Covington, um, move, I, I feel like that was really, really helpful. And I think that overall, uh, the team definitely improved. Yeah. Um, if I asked, uh, Portland Golden State. Who do you think is a better team right now? On paper, just because of the loss of Clay Thompson, I think that Portland gets a slight edge. Yeah, I think Portland's the better team too. All right, so that's our NBA free agency recap. We'll be back sometime in the next couple of weeks to do our NBA win total over-unders. And uh, if some big trade or something happens, be sure to follow us on Facebook Live. Me and Achilles will jump on there. Be sure to follow all the Greenlight Network podcasts. Our Football Time podcast will be on tomorrow with the same Achilles reign. We'll break down all the NFL Week 12 action. So, anything to promote before we head out of here? No, just make sure you follow me on Twitter at TD Achilles. Follow me on Instagram at that dude Achilles. You can also check out my YouTube channel where I've been playing with a couple of the guys from uh, the Green Light Network, and that is that dude Achilles on YouTube. 
All right. Thanks for jumping on. My pleasure. All right. So we talked some NBA. Now let's go over some soccer slash football for all our European people out there and soccer for the Americans. All right. So let's start in the Premier League and let's touch on the game I thought was the most impressive was Man City came out and started scoring goals for a change. Um, well, if this occurs, uh, the way their defense has been playing of late, which uh, has been their bugaboo, it's really solid up since uh, that Tottenham game. I, I know Burnley is not an offensive team, but uh, I've seen much improvement in the Man City defense and... Uh, really has been the problem with them has been scoring goals. And they finally broke off that mark. Rian Mares had a big, big day with a hat trick. And uh, I just thought that was the Mad City we've seen in the past. So uh, that's a scary thought because uh, they haven't played great this year, but they're still right there in stalking position. And if I had a, a bet to make, uh, I think Man City would be my bet to make a real late charge here and uh, win this Premier League title. Burnley, on the other hand, continues to struggle. I really worry if they can get themselves out of the rele relegation zone this year. Fulham had a nice win this week, so uh, maybe they're starting to round into shape. They've played better the last couple weeks. If they could learn how to kick penalties, Fulham would definitely be uh, a handful of more points up on the on the table but uh just really worry about Burnley uh they just don't look like they have it this year uh I know it usually takes them a little time to get into form where they're playing their solid defense and then hitting a couple counters but uh they just really look poor right now okay so let's move on to the big fixture of the weekend Tottenham versus Chelsea this was a big matchup without a big score uh, this was Jose Mourinho special. He came out, played his essential back six again with uh, Sissoko back there. It just, um, this is how Mourinho does it. And uh, when the teams start defending like this, they look for counters and, you know, they're on the road versus a big six team and he doesn't look to score. He looks for the tie. And if a scoring opportunity presents itself, he hopes that uh, his elite players up front, up front will sort of take that opportunity and get that goal. Now, uh, Chelsea was a little bit more aggressive, but they weren't the uh, overly aggressive Chelsea that they usually are, uh, probably because they were scared of that counterattack uh, from Tottenham. So a really just a stalemate of a game uh, where both Chelsea and Tottenham were sort of a, both a little too scared to open up each other, open up versus each other. But... Uh, Definitely an advantage for Tottenham here as they gain a point at Chelsea. So uh, really interesting to see where this Tottenham team uh, sort of goes. If they can continue to defend like this, I, I think Mourinho's going to put them right there in the mix for the Premier League title. Uh, Chelsea will stay in the hunt as long as this defense holds up like it has been. So uh, very interesting to see how uh, those two continue to play the next couple weeks, uh, especially Tottenham, which have a lot of tough fixtures up ahead. Can they continue this sort of defensive play? Uh, we'll see. Next up, we'll go to Everton and Leeds. 
Everton's really struggling right now. Uh, they did not look good. Leeds dominated this game, and uh, Everton was basically lucky just to get a 1-0 loss here. Uh, Leeds, once again, looked really good. Uh, really exciting to watch. Uh, I just wish they had a, you know, a handful of better finishers, but uh, the story here, I think, is Everton. They've really sort of dropped off a, a little bit. Their defense continues to be an issue, but... Um, We'll see if uh, Enchilotti can uh, sort of right the ship and get them going again. Ever since uh, Richarlison got that red card, they just uh, really haven't been the same. He bounced back last week, but uh, this was not the same team again this week, and uh, Lee's just sort of dominated him. Southampton-Manchester United was one really hell of a game. Southampton really got on top 2-0. But uh, I thought it was a bad move to sort of pull off the gas that second half and just try to defend. That's not Southampton's game. That's not their style of play. But uh, they got uh, just a little scared. And uh, it. I guess it didn't do them good to be up 2-0 because it, it got them off the aggressiveness that got them that 2-0 lead. And uh, a brilliant move to Cavani in there. I think he's definitely making a push that he he should be in that starting eleven as their sole striker. Up uh, that first uh, header goal that uh, he got uh, was just ridiculous. Uh, that movement in the box to get that, and then the one in extra time was also great. He set up another goal too. It was just uh, brilliance by Cavani, who I love watching and have loved watching over the years. Don't know if I love him on Manchester United. I wish he would have gone to. Some team I like a little better, but uh, to watch Cavani play in that box is uh, just a, a thing of beauty. But uh, Manchester gets a reprieve and gets a nice win over Southampton, so they're on one of their little good stretches. We'll see if they can continue that in the Champions League this week. And we'll move on to Arsenal and Wolves. Uh, Arsenal just continues continues to really play poor football right here. Once again, they were Wolves outplayed them pretty much the whole game. No life on offense, and uh, Wolves just uh, played a really solid defensive game, got up on them, and uh, just kept Arsenal at bay. The scary moment with Raul Jimenez, we really hope he's okay. Uh, he's just a joyful striker to watch, uh, especially when he gets in that box and uh, finishes so we'll hope he'll be okay in a couple weeks and uh, he'll be good to go. But uh, Wolves, once again, played really well. Arsenal continues to struggle. Can they get this right? They have a lot of tough fixtures coming up too. And the offense just hasn't been there. I don't think Aubameyang's in a good spot. I think he needs to be out wide to really be as effective as he can be. But uh, Arsenal's searching right now. Searching. Uh, their defense has been solid enough to sort of keep them in these games, but they just can't get anything going offensively. And that's not really uh, Miguel Arteta's style. So uh, hard to see how they figure out a way out of this, but uh, we'll see if they can cobble something together offensively in the next coming fixtures. All right, let's move on to La Liga. And we'll start off with Valencia versus Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid did not play a great game, but they did what champions in La Liga do, and they found a way to win. They got a nice goal in the 
closing minutes of that game, an own goal from Valencia, but they created the play. So uh, ugly, but uh, they found a way to win, and that's what they need to do for times like this. Instead of getting that like 0-0 draw they got, they got to find a way to get goals like this and uh, continue to put pressure on the elite of La Liga. And uh, that's the way they'll become champions. And right now, I think they're the favorite to be the champions, especially the way Real Madrid will get to them in a second. And Barcelona are playing. Barcelona looked much better. We'll get to them in a second as well. Valencia, I thought, played okay, but they played a little too conservative, played right into Atletico Madrid style, and they just uh, got themselves caught and uh, gave up a own goal there, and it was just uh, not much offensively for Valencia, so uh, they have no- nothing but themselves to blame there. All right, we said we'd talk about it, and we will. Real Madrid lost 2-1 to Alevis, and... Uh, Really, they were just terrible the whole match. Uh, once again, a lot of guys uh, were out, and uh, of course, Eden Hazard, uh, you know, plays 30 minutes, goes out again. I just don't know what to make of that situation. He just can't stay healthy, and that's becoming a worse and worse signing for Real Madrid, and uh, they just did not look good. They looked slow. They looked old. We'll see if they can uh, make it up in the Champions League this week. They need this win versus Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, They got trounced by them the last time they played. We'll see if they can bounce back and get that win, but uh, really a poor showing for Real Madrid this week in La Liga, and uh, Olivi's just outplayed them. Barcelona, on the other hand, was really actually spectacular. This was the best game I think they'd played in La Liga, 4-0. Griezmann had a wonderful goal, which is Always something to celebrate, considering how little impact he seems to make these days. But uh, Griezmann was there. Messi played a great game and got a nice goal and tribute to Diego Maradona. So Barcelona looked good. Maybe this is a jumping-off point for them, but uh, a big win at home versus Osasuna. We'll go last with Real Sociedad, who did not have a great game. First, Villarreal. Uh, they get a point out of it, so that's something. But uh, Real Sociedad needs wins to uh, continue to stay atop that La Liga table. I thought this was an opportunity to get a win versus uh, one of the, though they aren't right now an elite team, but one of the elite teams in La Liga in Villarreal. And uh, they just... They gave up a goal early in the penalty, and then uh, it was just uh, troublesome for Real Sociedad. And uh, they just couldn't find a way to get some more goals and get the win. But a point is what they do, and they stay atop that La Liga table. Okay, we'll move on to Syria. And uh, I made a bad bet in Sassuolo because Inter Milan came out and just came out and grabbed the game by its throat. Alexis Sanchez, goal in the fourth minute, and uh, Inter Milan was just out on their horse and uh, ran away with this really quickly. If they came with this kind of energy in the Champions League, they wouldn't have put themselves in such a big hole, but uh, Inter really came out there and uh, dominated this game. Okay, we'll go to Juventus and Benvenito. Um... Really just an awful game. It continues what has been Juventus. Uh, slow, uh, 
an entertaining play, and it was just um, not very much fun to watch. They uh, got a Murata goal in the 21st minute. You thought they'd just hold, but uh, right before halftime, Benvenito got the goal, and the whole second half was really just uh, not really any thing of entertainment and enjoyment to watch. Uh, Just uh, continued disappointment uh, watching Juventus play so far this year. But uh, we'll see if they can somehow uh, find a way to play better in the coming games. But uh, it's just been more of the same for Juventus. Uh, Torino's coming up next Saturday. They have a sort of meaningless matchup in the Champions League. They've already clinched and moved on, so I don't look for a lot of their A-list starters to play. But We'll see if uh, Juventus-Torino, they can find a way to play a little bit better than they did burst Benvenito this week. But uh, once again, uh, really it's just not fun to watch Juventus play right now. Uh, They might be one of the elite teams and the elite team of Italy, but um, not fun to watch really right now. Not playing, uh, I'd say, entertaining soccer. And speaking of struggling, at Atlanta, first Verona. At Atlanta, struggles continue. You thought they'd bounce back off that Liverpool uh, win during the week in Champions League, but uh, once again, it was another shutout. I I don't know what's going on with their offense. And to uh, not score any goals on Verona is really telling, especially with the uh, just, um, they didn't even get off to a poor start this time. Poor starts had plagued them. They, you know, were able to hold Verona without a goal for 62 minutes when they gave up a penalty, and it just, uh, I don't know what's going on. Uh, You know, last year, early on, they had a bit of a slow start. Uh, I don't know if maybe too many fixtures. This is not really that deep a team, so maybe that's part of their problem. They found a way to win that Liverpool game with a sort of a a depleted Liverpool team, but uh, I thought this would be a jumping-off point, and uh, once again, they... uh, Sort of let us down. Um, so we'll see if they can find a way to get back on track. But uh, speaking of dominant teams in Italy, Milan continues their dominance. 2-0 win over Florentina. And uh, they're right now the class of Syria. And uh, there's not much more I could say. They are playing with a flair and a style. They are dominating everybody they play in Syria, and uh, it's quite something to watch. And speaking of Diego Maradona and a tribute to him, Napoli, big 4-0 win versus Roma. You knew it was coming. Uh, they just dominated this game, and uh, just a good tribute to Diego and uh, send him off in glory, with a Napoli 4-0 win over Roma. You know he's smiling. All right, we'll move into the Bundesliga, and we'll go start off with Gladbach and a nice 4-1 win. First Gladbach uh, dominating Schalke. You knew that was going to be the case, but uh, Gladbach just continues their good play. We'll see if they can keep it up this uh, weekend in the Champions League. But uh, right now, Gladbach is as hot as any team in the Bundesliga. And uh, if you want an entertaining team to watch, you watch Gladbach. Union Berlin uh, played a good game, but uh, every time they got up, they just couldn't uh, hold the lead. They got up 2-0, blew that, and... uh, 
then they got down 3-2 and uh, got a goal there at the end. But uh, I thought, you know, they needed this win uh, to sort of continue to put pressure. But uh, to get a point is good enough, I suppose. But uh, to get up 2-0 and then blow that, uh, really sort of disappointing for them. Uh, speaking of disappointments, uh, Dortmund lost to Cologne. I don't know how that happened. Uh, maybe it's just overtaxation in the fixtures, but um, they just had nothing. They got down early, um, and they just didn't have enough to get get it back. Uh, couldn't find a way to get Harland a goal, and uh, just really offered nothing versus a very poor Cologne side. I, I don't know what happened there, but uh, if they're contenders in the Bundesliga, these are games you cannot uh, lose. Uh this is not a game that uh, Munich would lose. So uh, they might not play well in the game. They might struggle, but they'd find a way to at least get a point or a win out of this. And uh, Dortmund just can't seem to get out of their own way. There are too many of these type losses uh, on them during the season, which is what costs them overall in the Bundesliga. And this is how Munich just continues to dominate the Bundesliga. RB Leipzig uh, bounced back with a nice uh, win over Armenia. Uh, decent win. Uh, got up pretty quick and uh, just sort of held on there. Leverkusen, a sort of a poor showing versus Hertha below in Berlin in a 0-0 tie. So a sort of disappointing fixtures for a couple teams there in the Bundesliga. All right, now we'll move on to... League A and PSG. And speaking of disappointment, 2-2 versus Bordeaux. Uh, once again, just uh, continue their sort of lackluster play. Uh, got two goals early, and in the second half, just it seemed like they didn't want to be there. But uh, hopefully they're saving themselves for the Champions League because they got a big one this week. They need to get win. They cannot afford to lose matches in the Champions League. So that's our soccer recap for the week. Be sure to tune in to the Greenlight Network Know It All podcast on Friday. We got a big show. We're going to recap some of the Champions League, preview the domestic league matches that are coming up, and then two reviews of the Christmas Chronicles 2 and the personal history of David Copperfield with our movie historian and critic Rita Cinema, and then our Episodic television uh, critic comes in. Dr. M. Sage will be here to review The Life in Paris. So a uh, big show on Friday. Everybody should tune in for that. Be sure to tune in for all the other Greenlight Network podcasts. The Football Time podcast. We got our recap and review for the NFL Week 12. We got our college football picks. And then later on in the week, we will have our NFL picks with Dynamite David and Achilles Rain helping to help... help Take those. Be sure to tune in for our drive-in dish quick cast. They will have all our college basketball picks and NBA picks once the NBA season starts, plus some uh, daily fantasy advice as well on that. So that's all we got coming up on the Greenlight Network. Be sure to tune in to and subscribe to all our podcasts. That's our show, and we're out.